Welcome back, podcast friends and family. I am so excited, honored, and privileged to be back here in your earbuds. Thank you for honoring the space and grace to allow me to take a small and short sabbatical while we made a physical move, but we are all settled and I'm excited to be back here and in what I consider home in into and next to the mic interviewing guest experts to help you mind your wellness. I'm making a few small changes that are intentional to bring more value. And one thing that I noticed is when I listen to podcasts, I often fast forward through the intro. And so I thought, maybe just, we won't have an intro. That's okay. You all know what the podcast is about and you'll know who the guest is. And so I feel like the intro is probably not necessary. So I'm interested in bringing only the most valuable topics and content. And so I'm nixing the intro and I hope that that's okay with all of you. My intention and goal is of course, to make sure that it is worth your time listening here. And I know that this first guest to start off this next season will be for you. His name is Jason Gutman. He is an amazing human first and foremost, but I will, of course, as I always do, share his bio of his credentials to just confirm that he is an authority in this space. He is a Mayo Clinic certified wellness coach and national board certified health and wellness coach, as well as a certified nutritionist and certified exercise physiologist. As an expert in behavior change and habit formation, Jason helps people turn knowledge and good intentions into action, habits, and results. Here we go with Jason. All right. I could not be more excited to start this next season of my podcast with Jason Gutman. I have been connected with him over social media, specifically LinkedIn, and have just been really drawn to his work and his approach to wellness and was just thrilled to get him scheduled and get him on here as sort of the jumping off to this next season. So thank you so much for being here, Jason. It's my pleasure. Yeah. So excited. All right. So I always start my podcasts with the question, what does true wellness mean to you? And I would love to know what it means to you. I think in a word, it means being alive or as, as alive as we can be. Mm, I love that. I love that we could so dig deeper into that, but I think it's a very succinct way of saying that. I also would love to dive a little bit deeper into before we go into your background of sort of a statement you have on your website that says outer wellness grows in the soil of inner wellness. And since we're talking about true wellness, I would love to know, I think that's such a beautiful statement, um, said in a way that I don't think I've necessarily heard quite like that. So can you expand a little bit on that? Yeah, I think, uh, that my thinking on that has evolved over time. And I think the way I would summarize it now is, you know, we, we, most of us, when we think about improving our well-being, we're thinking of more uh, outer wellness. And I think there's a couple of ways to look at that. One is, um, one, the more surface way is sort of appearance or vanity that is, that is, you know, that is a big part of our culture. But I would also include in outer wellness things like outcomes, like lower blood pressure, better cholesterol levels, lower blood sugar levels. Um, and what I mean by inner wellness, uh, I use this way of saying it now, is harmony with ourselves. And I explain that by um, looking at it this way. Humans have, people have needs. Um, 
we have needs to survive and we have needs to thrive. And what I think of as harmony with ourselves is the ability to proactively meet most of those needs most of the time. And so what I think is uh, helpful about this is it takes a very popular term idea of self-love and it makes it practical, it makes it real. Um, uh, so I think that that's a, that's a good introduction to, to this idea. Mm, love it. I so love it. I love, um, the wording that you use, the verbiage that you use. I really feel like, you know, we have a lot of varying messengers delivering similar messages, but there's just something about the wording that you use that is uh, really pretty impactful. So thank you for that. All right. We're going to go into your journey and your story. Jason and I chatted a little bit before I started recording and I joked with him that I really hadn't um, expected to talk to him that long about his background and journey. And I didn't record any of it, which I guess you all are going to miss out on, but you're going to get what he shares. Now I did a little bit of digging into his background and journey, not like in a weird way, but just to to prepare for the podcast and uh, really found elements of his story to be so impactful. And I hadn't heard them. I hadn't heard them on social media. I, I would have probably never known any of it if I didn't do some of that digging. And so, um, I would love for you, Jason, to share some of that, some of that just humanistic journey that connects parts of your story to the listeners who are seeking that connection, seeking the real person who the real person who has all of the knowledge, all of the credentialing, but at the end of the day is just a real person like them. So I would love to hear that. Yeah. And I think, um, I often offer a short answer to this in, you know, in more, you know, um, casual conversations, someone will say something like, how did you get into wellness or how did you become a wellness coach? And I often say, you know, I, I might sigh and say, you know, it's, it's a long story, um, but I'll give you the, you know, give you the, the overview. And then, you know, to different degrees of interest, you know, we, we end up, you know, maybe going deeper. But so I think I'll, I'll frame it in a similar way. The, uh, the, the entry point into what I do professionally now is, is undoubtedly the fact that I was an overweight teenager, um, that I found myself in that place in, as an early teenager, you know, 13 or 14 or so. And I say found myself um, deliberately because to that point in my life, I, I don't really think I had thought about my body. I was, um, you know, had that, I guess, a, a, a childhood innocence of, you know, my body's the way my body is. It, it's, it's not good or bad. It just is. And um, having the experience of, of being overweight, you know, going from like middle school to high school was a very, very, very difficult experience in all the ways uh, people can probably imagine and or uh, have experienced themselves. And uh, so I think a good way to tell this story is then fast forward, uh, you know, 10 or so years later than that. And I had become a very high level triathlete and so uh, I had solved that problem for myself uh, on the outer level. I looked the part of someone who was fit, athletic, um, the, the things that automatically come with that, you know, self-confident, uh, 
but to our what we were speaking about earlier, Claudia, I uh, I uh, I solved my outer wellness problem, but I didn't do anything to solve my my inner wellness problem, and uh, I probably would have continued to to do that because it worked. You know, essentially, what I internalized as a thirteen or fourteen year old was this feels awful um, to be teased. Um, to, to not be accepted, uh, to not get any real support with those kind of challenges, that felt awful. So I'm going to make darn sure it goes away, meaning the, the being overweight or, or, or being fat, which is definitely the way I would have talked about it um, at the time. And so I made that outer problem go away, um, but, but, but really had, had no awareness of this idea of, of harmony with myself until I, I, I had to, and, and the had to was when um, I really broke down in a lot of ways from pushing myself athletically for so hard for so long. Uh, and that began sort of a second phase of, of uh, this journey for me where I had, to, I had to put myself back together physically, but I also had to say, what was going on? What kind of, what was going on internally that drove me to to push myself so hard that I've, I've, um, I've hurt myself so bad. So I think that's a, that's a good top level overview. And I'd be glad to dig into to parts of that. If, if it would be interesting to you, Claudia, it's all very interesting to me. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, and I think that that resonates with so many of us. And as you're talking, I was thinking, you know, I wonder what this looks like culturally to, to different and societally to different cultures, because I think about my family in Italy and, you know, gyms, I mean, gyms aren't really a thing. I guess there's a gym every once in a while, but you're not, I mean, you're not looking at a gym on every corner or triathlons happening every other weekend. Um, Mm. it's, Mm. it's, I feel like in, in the, in our culture, it's very all or nothing. And there's, and where it's like, we can't find this middle ground, whereas in other cultures, the middle ground is the way and, and everybody's living their best life it, right in that middle ground. But I do love the, the description and the story and the referencing right back to where we started, which is outer wellness grows, grows in the soil of inner wellness. And if we don't have that good enriched soil, which I think is very understandable that many of us don't have that because that part really isn't modeled for us. What is modeled for us is, um, you know, go get this gym equipment and go do this running event. Um, and the inner wellness part is something we have to actively know to seek and find the mentors that can help us on that path and know how to connect to our intuition. So I completely understand it's understandable that we are lacking in that. Um, but I, I, really appreciate your story. Cause I think it brings the human element to what you do. You have the knowledge that's not in question. You have the credentialing, which we'll talk about in a minute, what all that means, but ultimately you have an experience that I think brings you to a level that connects with lots of people, which is, you know, I grew up, I was, I, in fact, it resonates with me because I was called bubbles when I was young, I was actually overweight also. And, um, went on an extreme diet. I did not become an, a mar- or triathlon or like you did. And I want to say in one of the interviews that you did, when you mentioned you could maintain a five thirty pace for a marathon, I was like, that's, um, 
I don't even understand that on any level, even though I have run events. So, um, so I want to just kind of paint the the details of the pictures to how extreme it went. I mean, because that's extreme. I mean, in my opinion, it's extreme. I'm sure in the world of athletes, maybe it's not, but to me, that's like significant. So, um, you really went from, you know, being called fat and to the complete other extreme, and then ended up, like you mentioned, harmonizing to a a middle ground. So I I think that story is super impactful. Okay. I'll stop talking now, but what I would love to know is tell us the audience, what is a wellness coach? So I think that people know the term they've heard it, um, much like they've heard life coach and they've heard other types of coaching, but I would love to, for you in your words, since this is the work that you do and that you're passionate about, what is a wellness coach and maybe even what it isn't, what are some of the myths of what it is that, that you would like to dispel? Sure. The, the most important thing to get across of what it is, is that we are experts in the psychology of behavior change and habit formation. And what that means in straightforward terms is that we're very good at helping people go from knowing what to do and having good intentions to actually making, taking great care of oneself a lifestyle. And, you know, I, I say actually there, you know, in italics, because we all have that experience of being given plenty of information, um, being given external sources of motivation, meaning like maybe somebody, you know, sort of cheerleading you, um, you know, at like an ex- a group exercise class or something like that. Um, and only to have that fade away that, you know, when that, when that, when you don't have that in-person cheerleader with you, when you, um, when you don't have that meal plan that you're following, um, you slide back to your old ways. Uh, so that's the key, key thing to get across of what we do is um, we're working on that level of motivation and we're working on the level of habit formation, uh, all designed to help a person uh, literally become a different kind of person or have a different set of habits. Um, so that they can get uh, really sustained results. The key things that it it's not, um, you know, one one uh, s- succinct way to say this, although it in in the right context it includes advice giving and it includes help people work through their problems and challenges around these kind of things. It's a lot less telling people what to do than people expect, uh, meaning. And this, this still happens to me once every couple of weeks, uh, someone meets me and says, you know, you've helped my friend. Uh, if you just tell me exactly what to do, I'll do it. And I have to have a conversation with them that I don't work that way because what we know from the psychology of behavior change is that that's, it's not effective that people, um, people like to create their own vision for their lives and they like to create their own plans for how, how to get it done. Uh, so a wellness coach is more of a, more of a guide and a support, um, more walks along a person and helps them, helps them do it themselves. I think that's a great distinction and a huge gap of what's missing in sort of traditional medicine is um, this very prescriptive, authoritative, um, this is what you need to do. And maybe that's why we all think 
that that's what we need because that's what's been modeled for us. We, we, no doubt. We, get, we get told what, what to do and, um, and we don't even understand what it's like to have autonomy. So it's almost maybe terrifying or maybe feels unproductive or um, whatever it feels like to the person. But I think that's, that's a modeling that, that society has created. So I love that this is a switch in that. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about what it looks like to work with you as we get closer to the end. What I would love to talk about next is, and we kind of touched on it already, which is, um, you know, our society's sort of obsession with knowledge and knowledge acquisition and, um, how much more can we know, but what's most impactful from my understanding and the work that you do is more of the behavior change and habit formation than it is just, you know, strict knowledge acquisition. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. So, uh, I have a background as a nutritionist and exercise physiologist. So I have, um, a good deal of knowledge in those realms. And what I learned early on, uh, so, you know, I think it's neat that you asked me more about my personal background because, uh, I think it, it, it blends with, with what I was doing professionally. So, uh, in my early twenties, I had started my own business coaching other triathletes. And what happens in that world is when you give people good information, uh, they do it because there's either a healthy high level of motivation or an unhealthy level of high motivation like I had. Um, then what, so when I was, uh, you know, recovering personally, uh, I had to look at what am I doing for a living? And I, and I had to make a decision that, uh, I, what was best for me was to not continue doing that work. And I had first considered completely leaving the nutrition realm, the exercise science realm and becoming an engineer. You know, I just, because of the, the challenges I had in that realm, one thing that was very appealing was, was getting out of that world altogether. But what I had discovered for me personally was for me to heal uh, full circle, I needed to not avoid that stuff, but I needed to, uh, to learn to do it in a, in a truly, truly healthy way. And so uh, since I knew I was going to stay involved in all that stuff personally, uh, that became the, the, the clear next career path, which is I'm going to help uh, regular people who struggle with eating habits and exercise habits uh, to learn to do it well. Uh, essentially, Claudia, who I need, who I could have used when I was 14 or 15. Um, could I be that person for someone? And so that's when I really started working as a wellness coach. Um, but the field was still emerging. So there wasn't uh, the national board certification that there is now. There wasn't as many um, education programs like the one I took at the Mayo Clinic. And so what I initially did was uh, start working with a different population, but tell them what to do. And that was a very important point in my life and my career, because I learned that with the average person telling them what to do didn't work most of the time. I had people coming back for their second or third or fourth session with their tail between their legs saying, I know this is important. My physician says it's important. You've given me all the information I need to do this. And I'm just, I'm not doing it. And they'd feel ashamed of themselves. Um, 
they'd sort of double down on, well, I just need to summon more willpower. Um, sometimes that, that would delve into not so friendly self-talk of, you know, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? And so I was at another uh, a crossroads of, uh, I was either going to learn how to help people make these kinds of changes, or I was going to go be an engineer because it's a recipe for burnout to be trying your hardest to help people, but not have the leverage to be able to do it. So that's when I started studying the psychology of behavior change and habit formation, uh, initially on my own, initially studying a modality called motivational interviewing. And that led to studying at um, um, Mayo Clinic. And uh, back to, you know, tying this together to your question, when you, there are very, very, very tangible tools um, that can help extract um, a person's intrinsic motivation and help them to become more empowered. And what's really heartening is, yes, to your point, it's not just in the medical world, in schools, um, in a lot of the systems in our culture, we have this more being told what to do way of doing things. And our sense of autonomy gets stifled and our sense of empowerment uh, essentially atrophies. But what's really, really heartening is it definitely doesn't die. Um, it, and when a person gets an opportunity to start flexing those muscles again, it, 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 it really, it really, really comes out. And um, I, I, I think I'll end this uh, by saying that that's the most enjoyable thing about being a wellness coach. It is enjoyable to see a person getting those outer results. It's enjoyable to see a person who was on their way to type two diabetes, having blood sugar levels like they had when they were a teenager or in their early twenties. And, and their physician is saying, yeah, you don't, have a, a blood sugar problem anymore. That is wonderful. But what's really wonderful is seeing a person becoming empowered and becoming the kind of person who takes great care of themselves the, in a way that large sectors of our culture have given up on them. They've been sort of um, judged as there's someone who doesn't care about eating habits, or there's someone that doesn't care about their well-being. Um, from my perspective, they simply hadn't given the chance to, to, to develop that part of themselves. And uh, so I know that was a long answer, but I hope that gets at some of what you were asking about. No, I think it's perfect. I think it's exactly what I was trying to get at, which is sort of this um, switch, this paradigm shift. And I think you actually, even on your website, use the term paradigmpreneur or something similar to that. And I was like, well, that's another thing I've never heard of before. Um, he's coming up with all kinds of terms, but <laughs> I do think that this is an area that again, is not largely modeled for us. What we, you know, we've just been taught that somebody else out there knows more than us and can, and will for X amount of dollars, tell us exactly what to do. And it's, um, it, it's just the recipe and we just do it and we'll be fine. And it actually makes me think about when I started my business shortly after and joined a, a mastermind, that's the mindset I had going into it. Well, I'm just going to go in and then, you know, I don't know, somebody's just going to tell me what the recipe is to having a successful business. And, and I went through a significant, like sort of spiritual transformation in that, because I, I, at the core of me knew that that was not 
the right approach. And so I feel like there's a lot of parallels here to the work that you do. And let's sort of lead that into, so we've talked about this from sort of a theoretical and um, what it, what it looks like on paper. Mm. Um, What does it look like in real life? So what does it look like for somebody to work with you? Maybe even, you know, giving an example, obviously without any identifiers, but somebody, somebody comes to you, what are they coming to you with? What are some of the things that they're concerned about or reasons that they haven't been successful? And what does the work look like that they do with you that, that makes this a more transformational and successful experience for them? Yeah. uh, The, the kind of person that comes to me is, is relatively common in our culture. It's the kind of person having conversations with their physician about those common biometrics, blood pressure, blood cholesterol levels, blood sugar levels, uh, going in the wrong direction. Uh, increasingly people uh, for, for different reasons, uh, really want to get a handle on the lifestyle components of that. Um, sometimes it's they're leery of side effects of medication. I think sometimes, uh, people that come to me can articulate this, uh, and sometimes they're not ready to articulate it, but it's definitely there which is almost like they're yearning for that, that empower, that sense of empowerment in this part of their life. That'll come out in saying something like, uh, I'm a smart person. I get a lot of stuff done in my life. How come I can't uh, eat better? And uh, that's them yearning to, uh, to, 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 to experience this, this kind of empowerment. So the kind of person that comes to me ha- on the surface, that's the kind of the, the challenge they have are those biometric kind of challenges, you know, often included that is is wanting to lose weight. Um, but is also that sense of uh, I've done the diets, I've done quick fix kind of things. And not only do I want to solve this problem and not have the external problem, I want to solve this. It would mean something to me to learn how to solve it in the sense I want to learn how to live in a way that I have this, have this um, going well for me in my life. Um, and then uh, the way, uh, the way it manifests, I think you're going to, you're going to really enjoy. Yeah. Because it's, it's so 180 degree different from simply telling a person to, what to do or, or giving them some information. Uh, I typically work with a person over a six month time frame, And the way we frame the six months is in the spirit of that old fashioned saying of teaching a person how to fish instead of giving them a fish. So our mutual goal is essentially that they graduate and that they have self-care practices that, that are now habitual that they can use for the, for the rest of their lives. And here's how we get there. Um, I work with people in different arrangements, but the most common one is that we have a wellness session together twice a month throughout that six months. And so what that does is it breaks up our, our work into chunks of typically two weeks, occasionally three weeks time. And we view each of those two week periods of time as an experiment. Um, we uh, work together to set them up for what are they going to, what, what's the experiment going to look like? And, and that's the things that, that a person might expect to get from a wellness coach, meaning a meal plan, a workout plan, a holistic self-care plan that we worked out together in that first wellness session, but we're using an experimental mindset. Um, and that's different than a prescription. That's not, you follow this 
or or else. It's it's not sort of an all or nothing framework. It's hey, we're we're getting to know each other. You're getting to know yourself. You're getting to know what works well for you in your life around these kinds of habits. Uh, so let's have you go out in the wild with a good plan, but let's see what, like a scientist, let's see what works. Let's see what doesn't work. Let's see what works a little bit. And when we, when we speak again, we're going to talk about that. And by the time we finish that second session, we're going to send you out with wellness plan 2.0 for another experiment. So, um, and the idea is that uh, I'm serving sort of like training wheels, you know, they're learning to ride a bike. And each two weeks, they're getting better at riding that bike. And when we're doing a good job, by the time we're four or five months in, the client is saying things like, this feels just, it feels, this feels very doable. This feels like who I am. This feels like part of my life. Um, so that's, that's um, an important sort of overall framework. And then I want to dig into one additional thing to answer your question. What do those wellness sessions actually look like? And um, one thing they look like is, is me asking a lot of questions. If, I, if I'm doing a good job, my client is talking more than I am. Um, what I'm really doing, this is sort of giving a, a low level overview of the basics of um, the modality I mentioned earlier, motivational interviewing as it applies to wellness coaching is I'm asking questions uh, and I'm reflecting back to, to my clients what they're sharing with me, which is helping them discover things about themselves. This is a really cool thing about human nature. Um, yes, there's a lot we can do on our own, but uh, we can't sort of uh, see in our own eyes. And, it, and in some ways we can't even um, see in our own minds or see in our own hearts fully, you know, and let me an example of that is the conversation we had before we started recording uh, that I couldn't quite see on my own uh, how in a lot of my other outreach, I'm leaving off talking about some of my personal challenges with my own well-being and then how I've turned, I've turned that into really learning to take great care of myself. Uh, you, you've helped me see that today. And so that's a lot what a, what a wellness coach is doing in session with clients is helping them discover their values, their interests, their strengths, uh, and apply that to this, um, these, these goals that they have for themselves. So, uh, is that starting to paint a picture of what the coach client relationship looks like? Yes. It's a, it's a wonderful picture. And I always love the analogies and i um, so happy that I was able to play a positive part for you today as well. So I appreciate that. Uh, I would love to know what the sort of tangible and maybe even intangible transformations look like. So at the end of six months, somebody has worked with you. They've gone through this experiment process, which I absolutely love and can already see as you're painting the picture for me, how this is much more impactful and um, you know, inciting change than, than other approaches that are more mainstream. Um, what does it look like for your clients at the end of this, this period with you? Um, maybe something actually that has happened or just a, a general idea of, of 
what can happen? What can happen in six months? If somebody's listening to this right now and thinking six months are going to pass anyways, do I want to spend my next six months taking this kind of a pr- approach with a wellness coach? Um, what does it look like at the end of the six months? You know, what's super interesting, I don't think we've brought up this term yet, but as a wellness coach, I'm working on the behavior change level of a, of a larger emerging field you know, called, called lifestyle medicine. And um, so what we can see in terms of people using lifestyle as medicine in, in six months, you know, of course, it depends where a person is, is starting and, and where they're trying to go. Um, but what, I'll, what I can say broadly are uh, blood sugar responds incredibly um, thoroughly to lifestyle improvements. So it's, it's very, very, very common in six months. Uh, for people to see blood sugar numbers going from low to moderate level type two diabetic uh, or, or high level pre-diabetic uh, down to, uh, to, to normal blood sugar levels. That's very common. Um, with blood cholesterol levels, I would say it's about three quarters as exciting as that. Um, there seems to be it, it, probably a, a, a larger genetic component. So it doesn't it's not as impactful, but, but three quarters as impactful of that is quite impactful. So we're talking about people reducing medication, getting off of medication um, quite a bit. Uh, blood pressure is similar. Uh, they're, they're, and I, my best hypothesis would be that it has to do with, with a lingering genetic component, but, but three quarters of people get a significant, um, like I'm almost you know, in what my physician would consider normal level. Um, and then, you know, it's, it, because of my background, uh, personally, it's my least favorite part of transformations to talk about because of our cultures. Um, this might be too strong of a word, but, you know, sort of obsession with, with, with vanity, um, is, is talking about weight, but what's, what's typical when a person applies themselves to lifestyle improvement and if they have weight to lose is something like one to two pounds of weight loss a week combined with the habits to keep, uh, to either keep losing weight if they have more weight to lose or to sustain that. And so the way I describe that is it's, you know, it's far less glamorous than the, some of the before and after photos you'll see on social media of someone losing a hundred pounds in six months. Um, but people can do the math on their own one or two pounds a week for six months, uh, ends up to substantial, uh, weight loss for a lot of people. And the kind of person I work with is they, they've usually, um, weight cycled and yo-yo dieted enough that they'll say to me, if I lose 30 or 40 pounds and I keep it off, uh, I will, I will absolutely take that. And, and if, and if I can do it in a way that I don't feel like I'm white knuckling it on, uh, you know, a, a very restrictive diet kind of thing, I will absolutely take that. And then, uh, the other thing I'll add, I, I, I touched on this earlier a little bit, uh, is that people, people change, uh, in that more inner way. And, you know, one thing that's fun is that people have different ways of talking about that kind of stuff. Some people, um, like saying that they love themselves more. Some people um, like saying I've become more accountable to myself. I, I work with, this, this is a fun part of working with people. There are 
people who think of themselves as spiritual. There are people who think, think of themselves as rational. There are people who, uh, you know, there's a, there's a whole, whole spectrum of things there. But no matter what people are calling it, uh, in six months, people come into my favorite way of saying it, more harmony with themselves, more empowerment. They're more proactive about their, their well-being. Uh, and they have uh, some skill set around that. And I'm only going to extend this long answer one more way because I think it's I think it's it's worthwhile and important. This is something that often happens in six months. Uh, you're probably familiar with the saying. It's it's said a, a handful of different ways, but but one way I remember it is something like, uh, "How you do one thing is how you do anything," and that's something that happens for for quite a lot of people in six months of wellness coaching. They come in wanting to improve their eating habits and exercise habits or one or one of those two, that's sort of the most common entry point. But what happens because of the level we're working on is they improve that thing, but they're learning how to proactively meet their needs and they can't not bring that to other areas of their lives. So it's, it's common that four or five months in, I ask an open-ended question of, you know, we've got, you know, 20 minutes left in the session or something. And, and we're, we're good to go in terms of a meal plan and a workout plan. And I'll say, is there anything else you want to be working on, you know, to better your well-being? And the person will surprise me and want, you know, they'll, they'll mention they're not feeling very fulfilled in their work, or they'll mention uh, a challenge they're having in their relationships or something like this. You know, there's a general arc that people go from like, food and movement to slightly deeper things like sleep hygiene and stress reduction to the even deeper things. Like I'm kind of miserable at my job or I haven't spoken with my dad in three years and I'm not happy with that. And I, and I want to work on it. So that's something that happens too, that I think a lot of people wouldn't expect. Um, you know, they, they think of the more clinical results, but uh, as a person becomes empowered to take better care of themselves and meet more of their needs, it tends to ripple out into all areas of their lives. I love that. I love that journey and how that plays out because I do think it, it makes total sense that it would start out with more of the outer. Most people are coming to you with some type of very tangible, whether it's weight, whether it's lab results, um, something very tangible to work on. And then it slowly becomes more focused on the intangible. And then it just kind of becomes sort of this life cycle. Like now the soil of inner wellness is much more nourishing. And so the outer wellness is the, the growth environment for the outer wellness is, um, ultimately better capable of supporting that long-term. So I think that's fantastic. What is your, as we kind of wrap up, um, what is your vision? I mean, you're, you're kind of seeing the healthcare system from a standpoint of maybe what hasn't worked when your clients are coming to you and maybe they've, you know, been to the doctor and the doctor's taken a very prescriptive authoritative role as, as you know, this, the system does, um, you, you're kind of seeing some of the gaps and, and brokenness in the system, just maybe indirectly through that way. What would be your vision if you could like, create a vision? Cause I kind of feel like this is a parallel in, in my own work too, where, it's almost like I, I 
wish that I wasn't needed. <laughs> like I, w- I wish I, there was no need for a patient advocate because it kind of seems silly that there would even be a need for a patient advocate. Why does somebody need to take that extra step? It should already be the way it should be, um, but it's not. And so I'm just curious as to what would be your vision for what our healthcare system could optimally look like for, you know, clients who are coming to you where it has not been working? What, what kinds of things could you envision if we, if you could wave a wand, what, what would our healthcare system, how would it look different in a decade or two or more? Yeah, it's a, it's a tremendous question. And I think we almost don't have the current terminology needed for, I would say, what is, is my vision combined with um, what I think is, 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 is happening that is, you know, it's far beyond my vision. It's, it's a, it's a similar vision for millions of people, both professionals and the general public. And uh, it's just crystal clear that most of what makes us sick these days, not everything, but most of what makes us sick these days is lifestyle related. Uh, That's in part because medicine is so good and other developments in our culture have gotten so good like sanitation that we have, you know, COVID being a, a significant exception, but we have a lot less infectious ailments. Uh, we have a lot less accidents uh, and things like that. And, and what people are getting sick from are these chronic lifestyle related ailments. And so the, the, to me, the obvious solution to that is uh, a, a, an infrastructure that helps people with uh, lifestyle improvements or even learning optimal uh, lifestyle at, as early in life as possible. And, and I think it's happening, Claudia. I think what's the biggest challenge is that I almost see it this way, that there are almost like parallel, I, I am drawn to the idea of integrating lifestyle medicine into the existing medical system, but it almost seems like the incentives are too different, that what's emerging is more like uh, a reactive intervention system, and it's getting better by the year. I'm talking about being able to, to treat cancer and, and trauma centers and, and things like that. And that a proactive prevention system is forming you know, in parallel. Uh, this is, you know, not everyone uh, likes this idea, but I almost think it's unnecessary for those two groups of people to be uh, melding what they do because they speak such different languages. Uh, they're the incentives baked into the system are very different for them. Um, so that's I, I I don't know how that's all going to unfold, but that's kind of how I how I see it and what I see as my role is to just um, you know be one darn good wellness coach and also to 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 be an advocate for the for the field um, by having having conversations like this. I uh, completely agree with you. I have similar conversations sort of on the daily with, you know, people either in the healthcare professions or even with my clients in what I sort of envision. And I agree with you that I think it is moving that direction, but what I kind of envision as a, um, you know, a collaboration of what, 
what traditional Western medicine is good at and should continue to do for us and what it necessarily hasn't been, um, super successful at and, you know, what options people could seek that would not, um, be part of that system. So I, I completely agree. And I, um, I do think it is moving that way, which I think is so needed and fantastic. And in the, in the interim, you know, you and I are, um, you and I are, are, are working on, on the middle ground until something, you know, more solid comes into place. And, and maybe we have a, a slightly different role or different place in the system, but I, I do feel like people like you and I are filling in gaps that are so necessary right now. So I, I appreciate the work that you do and think it is so impactful and so needed, um, which is why I would love for you to share where people can find you and, um, possibly even work with you. So we're, what, what are the places they can they can find your work best place right now is is where we first connected is to is to look me up on linkedin just to look up my full name on linkedin and i post there at least three times a week uh wellness related content behavior change related content and wellness coaching related content um and uh if anyone ever wants to talk directly with me about uh i'd love to to learn more about how wellness coaching could work for me what i do for people is I call it a wellness assessment. We talk about what's going well for you. What are your challenges? I share more about how I work. Although if someone listened to this, they got a good sense of that. Uh, and then we talk about, you know, if it, if it might be a good fit. Perfect. I loved our talk, Jason. Thank you so much for coming down this journey with me and being willing to share some of the more, maybe more vulnerable or, or less shared parts of your journey and, um, and just for being a, an amazing human. Well, I will say the same thing back to you. And it was, it was a real pleasure. Thank you, Claudia. And this, my friends, is exactly what I have been missing in my short sabbatical away is just nourishing conversations like this one with Jason. Thank you so much, Jason, for coming on. Thank you all listeners for continuing to mind your wellness with me and all of the rest of us. As always, if you've appreciated this episode or any previous episodes, reviews are always, always appreciated. I will see you here again in two weeks. That will be our new cadence of release of episodes, and I look forward to being in your earbuds then. Until then, take care.